1: listening to Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Kathy Arway Today's show is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, and we're here at Roberta's Pizza, where Heritage Radio Network is based. So, it's the day after Valentine's Day, and uh, a weekend, or the week after a crazy blizzard in New York City here. Um, it's nice and cozy, and it's that time to get back into the swing of a busy week after the you know holiday and... Nice and fun Valentine's Day, all that stuff. So I hope you had a good one. Um, today's guest is actually my Valentine, and he's also the founder and brewmaster of Six Point Craft Ales, Shane Welsh. Thanks so much for being here today.
2: It's great to be here.
1: And you've been on the sh- you've been on uh, radio here before, no?
2: Yeah, two times actually. One was an official time uh, where I was a guest. The other one I stumbled into the studio drunk and was a sort of an impromptu guest.
1: Yeah, that was the uh, night of the fundraiser. Yeah. Yeah, I was there too. Were You, you were drunk then? I didn't even know.
2: <laughs> well, it was the popping off,
1: so. Oh, that's another kind of drunk altogether. Right. Okay, that's uh, that's one of their one-off specialty brews, limited edition from Six Point.
2: All right, but we can't talk about that one okay. on the show.
1: Okay, top secret. Uh, so what can we talk about? I know Six Point, you guys are having your fifth year anniversary.
2: Yeah, we're having it at Roberta's at 261 Moore Street in Brooklyn. So definitely come out. But yeah, we just came up.
1: When is the thing? It's the 17th. Okay, I know that.
2: (laughs) No, actually, I don't think that's right. No, (laughs)
1: when
2: is it? I think it's the, the 23rd.
1: Okay. Yeah,
2: it's it's two weeks from uh, next Tuesday.
1: Can we have folks? Or one check? week from
2: next Tuesday? Yeah.
1: All right. Well, check on Roberta's or SixPoint.com for the right. exact details on that. But it should be a great party. And you guys have had like a quite quite a week of celebrations in honor of the fifth year anniversary, which is a huge milestone, by the way.
2: Right. Well, what we do every year is we have this tradition, and that is to sort of. Uh, spread the love around, because when you have hundreds of accounts, if you just throw uh, a single birthday party, then one account out of hundreds gets all the attention. And so every year we try to do one in Manhattan, or two in Manhattan, and a couple in Brooklyn. And then one of them gets designated as sort of the de facto bash. The so, major bash, yeah. Yeah. This year it's going to be here at Roberta's. Nice. So it should be pretty fun.
1: Oh, that's great. That's yeah. a good way of, you know, spreading love. Is there five places that you picked for the five-year anniversary? Or you, <laughs> you can't even keep this tree? You no, have... I
2: think if it's four. Okay. I'm pretty sure.
1: <laughs> What's the one in Manhattan?
2: That's next week, Tuesday at Back 40. Okay. So that one's going to As in bigger. tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Yes, <laughs> Tomorrow, of course. As yeah, tomorrow, <laughs> February 16th.
1: Great. Right. Um, what are your... So I know you guys have been coming out with tons of different home brews. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not even clear on what you plan to do with all of them. Are you choosing one or two to go forward with?
2: Yeah. And also, we use them to fill our kegerators at home. <laughs> so now everyone has a kegerator. Um, and there's a kegerator in the office too. So first of all, we have to keep the, the supply fill in in there, but then above and beyond that, if something really resonates, then we translate that into the 15 barrel kettle. And if it really resonates there, then we might translate that into a full on massive production run.
1: Great. Do you have any ideas which one might, or is resonating?
2: Uh, The double sweet action has been quite popular. Also, we just made a sour rye beer. That's really nice. Basically, we got phantom yeast. Phantom is this wacky Belgian yeast strain. It's a blend of wild yeast and bacteria and a saison yeast. And so what we did is we did a culture out of the bottle. It's an old homebrew technique. So this is like an old trick that you learn as a home brewer. You drink, a, you, you, you buy a bottled beer that's bottle conditioned. Mm-hmm. You open, you pop the cap or the cork, and you pour like 80% of the beer off of it, decant it. And then at the bottom of the bottle is some sediment that has yeast in it. So then what you do is uh, you, you agitate and you swirl the yeast. And then you put with a funnel you pour in um some fresh malt sugar or syrup you want to boil it to sanitize it but then cool it so it doesn't kill the yeast and you pour it in and then you put an airlock on top of the bottle so the bottle sort of What
1: is an airlock? Is it just a, fun- a suction I don't
2: know. Yeah, an airlock is just I mean it's a device to keep air from getting into the bottle and contaminating it, but at the same time, it allows the bottle to expel air. So it's like a check valve. So
1: it can breathe out, but not in.
2: Right. The other, the simple way to do it is you just take a rubber stopper, and you can drill a hole in there, and then put a clear plastic tube through there, and then put that plastic tube into, like, a bucket of uh, water with some acid in it. So, Or you could use bleach or anything.
1: I'm, I'm nodding but, like I know exactly what he's talking about, but I'm pretty <laughs> lost. Right? It's a pretty
2: simple concept. You have a vessel that you don't want to contaminate, so but it has to have a way to breathe because fermentation expels carbon dioxide. So you need a means for it to expel the air, otherwise the bottle would blow up. So this allows it to expel air, but it won't suck air into the bottle because it can't because it has to go through an acid solution.
1: Okay. This sounds like something um, that you maybe can produce on anything but a homebrew-scale supply, no? Could you translate that into the brewery? Sure. Yeah? I mean, you
2: could, but breweries are designed, they're a lot easier, they're set up a lot. uh, I mean, they're professionally built vessels so that you don't have to do this kind of homebrew Uh. gadgetry. Okay. You know, you, so it's it just easier. It has a then. stainless okay. steel check valve or a pressure release valve on top of a fermenter, even in a small brewery. Like we have a 15 barrel system on top of every fermenter. There's a check valve so that if pressure builds up in the tank, it'll just pop the valve and allow the gas to escape.
1: Okay. It sounds like it's pretty fun. It's maybe an attraction for home brewers to kind of tinker around with this mad scientist type of get up and figure out little, uh, just around the house solutions to what you need maybe is that Definitely. Yeah. And I try and I feel like a lot of people listening might understand this a little bit better than me cuz home brewing has just taken off lately. Do you feel do you find that more and more of your friends are home brewing cuz I certainly do?
2: Yeah. Definitely. We can tell just by the amount of people that come down to the brewery to get ingredients. So we've always had this policy that homebrewers could come down to our brewery to get ingredients at our cost which for a homebrewer is like nothing. So you can get all the ingredients for a 5 gallon batch of beer which is a little over two cases for about 8 dollars or so. So and then we we also supply them with yeast. So Usually that's the hardest part is getting a nice active pure yeast culture. Mm-hmm. So you can buy these vials or these they're called smack packs. It's like there's a little live yeast culture in a in a foil bag and you and you pop this there's like a plastic balloon in there that's filled with sugar. So when you pop it it releases the sugar into the yeast culture and then it starts from fermentation and then once the bag starts to like blow up then you know it's fermenting, so you you cut it open and dump it into the fermenter. So rather than go through all that, you just come to the, ye- to the brewery with a mason jar, like a clean mason jar with a lid. And then we sanitize the jar for you, and then we'll fill it with a yeast slurry. And then if you pour that yeast slurry into a homebrew batch at home, you'll get active fermentation in like 10 minutes
1: so otherwise homebrewers where would they find it if they couldn't you know knock on your door and can anybody it's the hardest thing to,
2: to get um you either have to get it from a homebrew supply store because all the major yeast laboratories for brewers don't supply to the retail level um like via the website you know so what i'm saying is like as a home brewer, you can't just go, go online and order a yeast slurry.
1: Yeah, you can't order a sourdough starter, you know, yogurt is online, maybe.
2: I think you can get the packets. I've seen the ones that you can order like a packet online. But you have to culture it yourself. It's, it's dormant yeast. Mm-hmm. So that like the difference here is that yeast that you pitch into a batch of beer has to be live yeast, active yeast. So it has to be... It's called viability. There's a measure of uh, the degree to which the yeast are active in metabolizing. So if they're not viable, when you pitch the yeast into the beer, nothing's going to happen. You're not going to get a uh, good fermentation. Yes. And so it's it's over pitching. So basically what I'm saying is when you when you pitch a normal commercial yeast slurry into a homebrew batch, it's like two tablespoons of yeast in a five-gallon batch. When you come down to the 6-point, we'll fill up like a 16-ounce a mason jar or whatever size you have with yeast. Now, and it's all active, so...
1: Is it the same stuff as, it's like, overkill dry active month? yeast packets you use to make bread with?
2: No, it looks different. <laughs> it's uh, It has the consistency of, like, a peanut butter. It's thick. Oh. Each yeast strain is different. Like, each yeast strain has a different cell density. Each yeast strain ferments at its own pace. So like some yeast strains will ferment a beer out in like six days or so. Others will do it in like two or three. And then, you know, lager yeast strains will take three or four weeks. So the one that we have at the brewery, homebrewers really like because you can pitch it into your beer. It'll start fermenting almost instantly. And then when it's done fermenting, it all drops out. In other words, like there's some yeast strains that after um after they ferment, they just kind of hang around in the beer and the beer is super cloudy. It's sudsy, then, Yeah. Yeah. And then some yeast strains once they're done fermenting, they just drop to the bottom. So then it's nice and clear.
1: That's pretty cool that you um give out yeast to the home brewers from the brewery. You'd think that most people would be like, "Oh, you know, they should just buy our beer." But um But I I see that, you know, by fostering an appreciation for good beer and for people tinkering out and making beer themselves, it's actually making them more aware and into good beer.
2: Totally. We don't, we do require that they bring a beer.
1: (laughs) Okay. Like You can't just
2: keep coming and taking and taking. Eventually we're like, where's the homebrew? So we have a whole refrigerator full of homebrew. That's fun. Work.
1: Well, not to change gears totally but i i think i think it's time for a little song interlude and what exactly did you pick cuz i asked you to pick a song and you know
2: i was just perusing the the vinyl collection and there's this album i'm addicted to so the, we're we're listening to the white cliffs of dover by the righteous brothers excellent guess, because the production on this album is uh, insane it's a Phil Spector production so naturally it's immaculate
1: all right, let's hear it. Be right back. They'll be blue. Hey, we're back with Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Kathy Irway. Um, today's show is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, and it was produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Nat Wiener here at Heritage, which is based at Roberta's Pizza, and that's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Today's guest is Shane Walsh from Six Point Craft Dales, now celebrating their fifth anniversary. I'm going to switch gears a tiny bit again. Um... I have a lot of guests on these shows and I always like to ask them about their, you know, cooking and dating routines, what they like to cook. And a lot of them, you know, we're talking about things that they like to cook for other people or that turn them off about their other people's eating habits. And so much so many of the times they find that there's this clash of um Personality. If somebody that they're dating is a vegetarian, or that they can't date somebody who's a vegan, or or that you know, there, there's like maybe it could be you know the other way around. They can't date somebody who's a meat eater. And you're a vegetarian, all right? Mm-hmm. Pescatarian,
2: vegetarian.
1: <laughs> I I think that that's, I I mean. I don't personally find it to be much of an obstacle. I mean, maybe I just, I appreciate. Except for when
2: you have a bunch of meat in your teeth.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Has that ever happened?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That night we went out for ribs. (laughs) We just covered in meat.
1: And what were you doing? Hiding in the corner?
2: No, I had the beans.
1: What are you talking about? We didn't go out for ribs.
2: (laughs) I know. (laughs) i'm just building up the visuals for the audience
1: (laughs) no do you find this repulsive um other people eating meat
2: no that's fine it's just i just don't care for it um you know i I don't have any job there there's like people who do it for health reasons and then there's people who do it for um like ethic ethical reasons or ethos and you know, some people do it because they they think it's more efficient. So it's it's a lot easier to feed people grain than to grow grain and feed it to animals and then feed people meat. Yes. So it takes more land. You have to convert more land. More, so th-
1: yeah, calories are being used on the animal feed when right. they could be feeding people.
2: It's, a, it's about 10 to 1. Mm-hmm. So it is significant.
1: Especially with beef and larger grazed cattle. Right. Or animals.
2: But that's not you know that's not necessarily the reason why i do it it's um it's mostly biomagnification so you know as something works its way through the food chain the level of toxicity is amplified in other words if something is grown in a toxic environment and or lives in a toxic environment it gets consumed by something else that's higher up on the food chain and then it gets stored in the fatty deposits of that animal or plant and then as it keeps on going up up and up to the highest member on the food chain by the time it's up there that the concentration of the toxicity is at its highest so ideally you'd want to eat stuff like you know spirulina and stuff because it's just an algae yeah but at the same time like you need let's be realistic like you need some food but
1: (laughs) and doesn't biomagnification also imply things are at their um densest that are nutritional too not just toxic not just toxic stuff
2: yeah i mean but i mean you could say that too Mm -hmm. like to go back to spirulina i mean it's a unicellular organism algae Mm -hmm. but it's loaded with great stuff for you Mm -hmm. and because it's small but abundant you can increase the concentration of that by you know, blending it into your food and stuff like that.
1: Now, if an animal eats that, so right. by processing that, does it decrease the potency of the spirulina, or from the grass or from the grain?
2: I don't know about that. Yeah, that's I'm a curious. good question.
1: Okay, we'll have to look into this. Right. biomagnification. Magnification. Um. Anyway, uh, what is? <laughs> I'm like really pondering this now. Right. <laughs> it's killing me so that's why you're a vegetarian mostly because it's in the pure it's about the pure basis raw most unprocessed ingredients
2: Mm, no um there's such a variety of reasons um i do enjoy meat and you've seen me eat meat but i'd really like to know the manner in which the meat was brought to the table um and how the animal was raised and and how it's fed and normally if you just know the people who sold you the mm-hmm. meat so did or you raised the, the meat, then it's fine. It's really not a big deal. But um, I just, the detachment that you have between a lot of the stuff that you eat um, and the source and how it's grown is so great that sometimes you would like to know a little bit more about where your food comes from. And I just feel like it's not that big of a deal when it comes to, is not as big of a deal when it comes to a lot of vegetables and grains as it is with meat. hmm Um, for the reasons already stated, like we were reading that article about the beast, the uh, meat processing plant in the Dakotas and how ridiculous it was because they were treating it with ammonia and all of a sudden it was FDA approved and, And then all of a sudden they realized that everyone was getting sick and they traced it back to this plant. Um, (laughs) and now they're repealing the law. But you know, for years, all of this beef was in school lunches, fast food restaurants, uh, other restaurants across the country, ballparks. So like, you know, you could be doing something completely innocuous. Like you want to go, you know, you and I go out to, uh, yankees game or something and you order a hamburger and it's toxic food so Mm what why why would you you know it's ridiculous so yeah so that's part of the reason why um i don't eat meat unless i know where it's coming
1: from and i find it's it's so interesting too to actually know the farm the farmers that this stuff was grown in it's just endlessly fascinating for me there's this um I remember one part of that movie Fresh by Anna Sophia Jones, who will actually be on the show next week, um, where Will Allen, he's a major food advocate, was saying that um, if your food, a lot of his animals that he grew had names. And he's like, if you don't know the name of your food, then that's not a good thing. But I mean, it doesn't apply to everyone. But I thought that was really neat. And now, you know, if you don't know the name of your farmer, maybe that's another level in the puzzle All Right. So, um <laughs> What do you like to cook on a date? I ask everybody this one.
2: Mhm. Well, in my case, I like to usually watch you cook. <laughs> <laughs> so, um I as far as cooking, I like to make the fire. Um oh, I do specialize in making the the after dinner tea. P- or hot beverage. I don't know if there's a word for this, but I am a hot beverage c- chemist. What? It's kind of like an elixir type dude, but he <laughs> works with fire. So I make different spiced drinks, chais, hot chocolates, teas. I've. And that's my. That's I've what I like to do. I've never had a
1: chai. You? Oh yes, you made me chai once. Never mind.
2: <laughs> yeah, we had chai when we went sailing.
1: Okay. All right. Sounds fun. Mm-hmm. So that's your forte. Stick Mm -hmm. with your core competencies. Exactly. That's one of your things. But do you cook for yourself at home much? No. No.
2: No, I used to all the time, but now I always take the easy way out, which is usually either you cook or I go to one of my beloved accounts and drink several pints of beer and eat good food.
1: Okay. (laughs) Sounds like a decent way to go.
2: Works for me, for right now, at least.
1: Alright, so, um, getting back to the beer a little bit. I'm confused about the double sweet action. Can you... Well, first of all, everybody's been asking, or, not everybody, but I've heard it, you know, mentioned a few times. What What's the meaning behind sweet action? That sounds a little suggestive, no?
2: Uh, no. <laughs> it, I mean, it's up to you how you want to interpret it, but...
1: And that's your most popular beer, right?
2: Right, not by design; it just happened that way.
1: It's okay; it's the biggest seller.
2: Yeah. Um, The meaning behind it was there was a couple of friends of mine who, back in two thousand four, I think it was, started a women's porno magazine, and it was called Sweet Action.
1: This is okay, right back, <laughs> so it, we were right, no <laughs> but it, but yeah,
2: and uh they're based here in Brooklyn, and I think they came out with four issues before they shut it down, but it was pretty ahead of its time, and they they came how, in how so, well, like they the don't
1: really good photography, yeah, lighting,
2: <laughs> they actually like the the design and the the, yeah, the content, okay. the content of it, um, the photography and everything. It was, it wasn't sloppy at all. It was, it was like fun, whimsical and, uh, and put together pretty well, but.
1: More sophisticated porno, Mac, for the discerning, design discerning oriented.
2: Woman. No, it was actually, it was all about having fun is, is what it was really designed about. So it wasn't trying to be very sophisticated. Okay. And what they, yeah. And their deal was they went out and they got just like everyday type of dudes. Instead of, uh, you know, like uh, guys who go to tanning booths and...
1: Are covered know. in oil. Yeah, and, yeah, stuff like that. Okay.
2: So they're they're hanging out. They were in Red Hook because um, they were doing a photo shoot in one of the girls' car. Cars. <laughs> And, uh, we were just launching the brewery. Like, the very first kegs of beer were being tapped at the tap room next door. And they came in from out of the cold to warm up.
1: Were they all naked? Is that why?
2: All these girls came into the brewery naked. (laughs) And they were looking for warmth. (laughs) And we're like, it's okay, you can come in here. (laughs) no. Uh, they were just looking, you know, they wanted to have a okay. beer because they just got done doing a, sh- a photo shoot. And it was like the dead of winter. Okay. So, yeah, it was probably they needed a beer. Um, so after they watched this dude and photographed this dude like masturbate in the back of this girl's car, they came in for a beer. Because <laughs> I guess that's what you do after you do something like that. <laughs> and the beer
1: that they got was a sweet action or what was you know after that called sweet action no,
2: no. we we oh. hadn't even made the sweet action yet we only had two beers I'm at the time trying to
1: create a narrative arc here. <laughs>
2: right uh, i know i Sorry. know sir. but uh th- it was not it wasn't a uh, sweet action that they were had that day we made that beer later in honor of them <laughs> that day essentially that's and, great yeah it was a wacky day and it was just one of these recipes that was whipped together and it was based on an old homebrew. And I never intended it to be uh, the most popular one of our beers, but it just happened that way. And I think a lot of times that that's how things are supposed to happen. I think if you go into something thinking, I want this to be the number one seller Anytime you create something and your intention is to just generate a bunch of volume from it, it, I don't think it's going to work out because you're not in it for the right reasons. You know what I mean? So we went into this with like no expectation and it just happened that way. So it's pretty neat. And the name does resonate a little. so people like it. They like saying it. And I didn't know this, but it's like a a term that apparently it's like it's slang and it's floating around now. So like people are like, yeah, man, sweet action.
1: What is it a term for?
2: It just means like, yeah, everything's cool. That's what it, you know, Uh people throw it out there. So I didn't know that this was being circulated in the vernacular of the youth today. Sweet
1: action, man. All right. See you later. Right. Okay.
2: (laughs) No, I don't know if it would be in that context, but it's like when something good happens to you and you're like, all right, sweet action. Uh That's how you would say it.
1: All right. Sweet action. Right. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Hey, let's start using it more. Okay. So... Okay, that brings us to the end of uh, this episode of Let's Eat In. And so you could check out uh, Six Point's Big Bash here at Roberta's coming up soon. There's going to be tons more bashes. There's going to be a double sweet action on tap. And who knows what else? Well, Shane knows what else, but right. you'll find out soon. Some cupcakes. Some cupcakes. Me, but okay, those All are right. good. All right, All right so um, thanks again. Um Today's show is brought to you by Whole Foods, and we'll see you next week.